Hi again, everybody. Welcome back to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Job Search Guide, where we give you tips and strategies that help you land that next great position in your career. Of course, the resume continues to be an essential part of getting that interview, but what is it saying about you? That's the question we're all trying to answer. If you're a more experienced professional, you may need to be cautious not to indicate how old you might be and thus inadvertently eliminating yourself from contention. Well, that's where our guest comes in to help. His name is Mark Miller. He's the founder of Career Pivot, where he helps baby boomers in their careers. He's also the author of the book, Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for Baby Boomers. And Mark also had an article on LinkedIn that referenced this exact subject. And boy, it has really taken off. Uh, definitely struck a chord with a lot of the readers there. Mark, thanks for coming on the show today. I well, appreciate you having me. Now, the first question I wanted to ask in regards to this, I know a lot of employers would say, well, you know, this whole idea of age discrimination, it's overblown. It's not happening like this. Uh, What would your response be to those employers? The reality is if you are a baby boomer over 50, after you've been laid off, the odds of you getting into the long-term unemployment crowd is incredibly high. Mm -hmm. And the reality is whether it's perceived or uh, whether it's, it's planned or not, there's a lot of it out there. A lot of it has to do with their perceived want of the compensation. Oh, okay. Interesting. Or as I say, perceived, because a lot of them are willing to take less money. Right. But no one will. Do you see that as being the biggest factor? Are there other things such as you know, the whole idea you hear about energy and you think about outdated skills? I mean, what kind of things are you seeing? Or is it really just a subconscious thing in some cases where, oh, well, I have these two people and this one seems older, so I'll go with the younger one. How do you view it? Number one, it is subconscious particularly the younger you are, you know, can you see working with your grandmother or (laughs) grandfather? You have a perceived of how they behave. And yes, will they be wanting to come in and spend 14-hour days? The answer is maybe not. The other belief is they won't be technologically up to date. Okay. You know, social media savvy, they will be stubborn and not want to change. The other piece is, put it bluntly, most of us who are baby boomers, we're a very auditory generation. You want to communicate with us? Come talk to us. Right. But bluntly, the kids today, and by the way, anybody I'm old enough <laughs> to be their father as a kid, is which is under 30, their auditory skills are far less and you know, they get used to texting and electronic communication. So there's a, there's a lot of biases against older workers. Sure. Well, let's step away from that part of it, so to speak, and get more into ways that as you can help people who are looking for that job, filling out their resume how to make sure that you don't sound too old, you know, for lack of a better term. And I thought you had some interesting points on something you had written. And one of the things that popped up was the use of a home address and what that could indicate or how that could hurt you. Give us a little summary of why you think the home address just isn't needed and shouldn't be used. We've reached a point where so many folks are, are working remote. If I live in Austin, Texas, I want to apply a job in Dallas, and I might be willing to commute back and forth. Right. I may be willing to go up three days a week and work remote two days a week. And what happens is people will end up getting discriminated based on that. We're seeing that also here in town. If Austin traffic has gotten so bad, we're the second coming of L.A. <laughs> and the fact that people in South Austin, they won't interview somebody from someone like in Dell who was way in North Round Rock because, oh, they won't commute. They won't make the commute. Well, maybe they will. Maybe they have other ways around it. Sure. I've got one client in Southern Jersey who uh, has been discriminated against because she lives in Southern Jersey, and she's perfectly willing to come up and three days a week stay with her mother in Northern Jersey hmm. and going, you know, why not? I had one other client who was planning to move to San Francisco, 
and no one would talk to him. We changed his LinkedIn profile to say San Francisco. Okay. And took his address off his resume, and he started getting calls. And by the way, he's now working for a clean energy firm in, in, uh, in San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, and, and as you mentioned, when we were talking before, you don't really get, as the job seeker, the opportunity to explain yourself if you do have something on there that doesn't add up or that, as you said, maybe uh, the employer doesn't know it, you'd be willing to commute or that you are moving. So I do find that interesting. It's also true, isn't it, that with the ways and means of people reaching out um, when we are sending in our resumes, there's really no need for them to have a home address, is there? Right. There is none. I've had a bunch of clients who've worked for major multinational companies where they've worked at home, and I joke they've worked in a man cave at home, (laughs) and everybody they work with is spread around the world. Right. What difference does it make where you live? And the key piece here is if they need to know where we live, they can come ask me. Now, have you come across any situation with any of the people you've worked with or any of your experiences where not having an address on a resume has hurt the candidate that you know of? Not to my knowledge. Now, rather interesting, my article that was on LinkedIn Publisher, I had a number of recruiters pop in saying, but I need that address so that I know where this person lives, so I know whether to reach out to them. And I'm going, you just made my point. <laughs> now, they're looking on LinkedIn. There's a geographical location on LinkedIn. Why do you need my address? Hmm. You mentioned the article that nobody's mailing you anything at this point anyway. It's going to be through email or you know a phone call. So there's no real need for that. So I, I think I think listeners understand that premise of it. And I appreciate you bringing up the couple other ideas of ways you could be discriminated against or at least be weeded out as a candidate. The other side of addresses, as I mentioned, of course, is email address. Uh, you had some interesting points, some interesting strategies as far as what you put as an email address on your resume. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit of an idea what that was? I've been involved with the unemployment scene for about a dozen years now. And one of the key pieces is we always tell people very often when you do a job search, go get a separate email address. Mm-hmm. And the one I wrote in the article is if you have an AOL.com email address, I'm sorry, you're old. <laughs> but there are all kinds of other places to get email addresses from. Obviously, there's you know Outlook and Gmail. But I guarantee you almost every university has an alumni associated as an email forwarder. Or like I wrote in the article, I've I'm a recovering geek. I had, for many years, I had an IEEE.org and an ACM.org, both electrical engineering and computer science uh, organizations. Sure. You know, they had email forwarding, so you, they would give you an email address. And by getting an email address from your university or from a professional society, that affects your brand. It, it, it enhances your brand. And it subliminally tells them, I know my stuff. Right. That was something that really jumped out to me right away, that mention of yours. I think that's a great way, as you said, to immediately tell someone, whether it be your expertise, your interests. Uh, I think that's a, a terrific way. Uh, the AOL thing is funny, but I, you're, you're probably right. I'm not going to say that's not true, that you're probably a little bit on the older side if that's your email address. But also by having a, a professional society email address, it also says you're current. Okay. And that's one of the big concerns with the older worker is, well, they're not current as the younger employee. Speaking of current, uh, that's another area that I wanted to touch on was the idea of skills and current skills versus what may have been uh, what you experienced in the past. Uh, Again, we're looking at people who maybe have a number of years of experience that they can sort of play off of and and put in their resume. What should you be looking to utilize in your resume? What do you need to avoid when we're talking about skills? Well, number one, you want to put in current skills that they actually really want now. If you're up to speed on the latest programs, that's great. Don't put it that you're you know, competent in Microsoft Office. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
everybody should be. Right. But more importantly, if you've worked on obsolete products, that's one of the real challenges for a lot of older workers. But I was so good at that. You know, I, I joke the fact that I, uh, I was working at IBM around the time of the original IBM PC. I wrote MS-DOS control programs. Right, right. Boy, that's, that's real useful today. <laughs> so if you are in an industry and you start listing obsolete products or obsolete skills, then it immediately says, well, you've got all these skills. But what you do want to show is that you are up to date. If there are programs or systems, put those down. Mm-hmm. and leave the rest. What happens is when you have the whole alphabet soup and it's really long, the longer it is, the more likely they won't look at it. Sure. One interesting aspect of that, and I'll say, you know, like yourself, if you worked at an IBM or a big name organization that is reputable within your field, do you just still put that on the resume, even if it was 30 years ago, because it is an important piece of your career? Do you not reference it because of how long ago it was? How do you handle being able to show, yeah, I, I worked at this extremely you know yep. valuable place, but now, obviously, skills aren't there. The way you handle that is you only list at most the last 20 years. Okay. Then you have a section called career highlights or other career highlights mm-hmm. where you may spell out, yes, I work for IBM doing you know XYZ kind of work. You know, drove sales, uh, doing numerical accomplishments. But the idea is most likely probably put the last 10 to 15 years and then do an other career highlight section. I like that. I like that idea. And that allows you to spell out the skills and accomplishments that weren't in the last 15 years. Right. Without necessarily drawing attention to it was in 1960 something or whatever. You're right. <laughs> now, again, not that that's bad, but we're talking here about, as you mentioned off the top, that it's a subconscious thing that a recruiter or a hiring personnel might see. And uh, maybe it's between yourself and someone who has a lot of experience, but has is a little bit younger. I mean, you just don't know how it's going to play out. So that's why we're talking here today with Mark Miller and discussing these items a little bit. What do you think is the most common mistake baby boomers or experienced individuals make when it comes to their resume? What would you point out to something that everyone needs to look out for because it happens so often? Well, I think number one is trying to put too much on there. Okay. If you've got 30 years of experience, By the way, nobody really needs to see all 30 years of your experience. Hmm. But I've done all this stuff. Well, yeah. (laughs) Which which of it is obsolete? Right. And the challenge is, I've worked with a lot of clients, we don't see ourselves the way other people see us. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest challenges. And the other piece is, so many boomers have been displaced through these last two recessions. It's learning back how to be humble. And taking a step back and saying, really, what do I really want? Understanding, being realistic on what you're shooting for. So one of the common mistakes I find with just about every kind of, no matter age, but particularly of boomers, is they'll, they'll go on someone's website and they'll see three jobs and they'll apply for all three. No, because if you apply for three different positions, the answer is you don't know what you want. Interesting. So get clear on what you want and go exactly for that. Oh, I think that uh, does make a lot of sense. And I'll say that's definitely been echoed in a number of the things we've seen and, and discussed on some of our shows as well. So I think that falls right in line. And hopefully those listening understand the, the take there, Mark, is uh, is portraying for everyone. We are getting up against the clock a little bit, Mark, but I wanted to give you the chance here at the end to leave our listeners with something that you think is vitally important or something you want to emphasize that really wraps up our conversation and gives them a nice takeaway regarding this topic today. 
Yeah, the key piece on the resume, and I, I like to refer to the resume as a dance ticket, which dates me right there, is to get me into, into the front door. So we're going to do anything we can with the resume and your LinkedIn profile so you can actually get in front of the hiring manager. We want to eliminate any possibilities that one of the initial screeners will kind of go, yeah, that person may be too old. Probably more importantly, he or she may be too expensive. Mm. We want to eliminate that because what we want to do is we want to get FaceTime with the hiring manager. Again, the resume, the LinkedIn profile, all of those are just simply, they're just, they're just tickets so you can get in the front door. And you got to realize, you got to eliminate as much as you can of where people, both consciously and subconsciously, will have their biases. All right. With that final thought, we will close out this edition of Job Search Guide. We've been speaking with Mark Miller, the founder of Career Pivot. He's also the author of Repurpose Your Career, a practical guide for baby boomers. And we've been talking today about really making sure your resume has the perfect appeal. And as Mark mentioned, to get you into the front door. Mark, thanks for coming on, sharing some of these insights and strategies. We appreciate some of the value you brought to our show today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate having me on. And of course, if you want to reach out to us, if you have any suggestions for future shows or you have feedback from a past episode, just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. We'd love to hear from you there as well. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.